I want to do a special episode about memories. I have learned in life, especially recently, never create intentionally bad memories for self if I don't have to. And never create intentionally bad memories for others if I don't have to as well. I chose to talk about memories because I had to really understand that there are memories that I have detached the guilt from. What does that mean? It means for myself... I have chosen to live a life where I no longer feel inadequate about the organized crime memories I couldn't help but to have. I no longer feel inadequate about the traumas of being black memories, the traumas of Having the autism spectrum label inadequacies and the traumas of adult supremacy as a child memories. And I have truly, truly have learned um, how vital it is. to not even bash and lambast myself for having even mainstream pornography memories that started when I was an organized crime at the age of five and introduced me to me. Um, I no longer feel inadequate about organized crime figures forcing me to sell um, unpermitted vaccines and medications uh, against my will without permissions from anyone from the medical universe of trained professionals. So What I've decided to do is I've changed my media choices. Um, I've changed my um, social choices. And I've changed my experience choices. So all I'm going to be doing now is intentionally creating wholesome memories for myself not to compete with the bad memories because the more I create intentionally good memories for myself, the more the bad memories lose their strength, their fortitude in quotations, and their impact and impartation and its authoritative power. So when the bad memories come, I can tell myself the truth regarding those bad memories and that keeps the bad memories from lingering in my head for very long 
It doesn't mean that those pains of my life never occur. It just means that it's my creative way of telling negative memories and negative voices to shut the fuck up. And it is also my way of telling those negative thoughts and negative memories to to fuck off and die. I say that to the negative thoughts, negative memories. When I say die, of course, they, it, it likes to resurface. That doesn't mean I'm not healing, and it doesn't mean I'm not dealing with it. It just means that your hold of me that you felt like you used to have, that's what's, that's what's dead. And so I'm speaking in that vernacular. And so what I've decided to do let me start with the mainstream porn memories. What I've decided to do is to tell myself that whenever those memories come, well, I want to say this, not everything about mainstream porn is bad. There were some good things that I learned, for example, you know, I learned how to activate my um, kinky side. I've learned to activate my athletic side, sexually speaking. I've learned how to, um, be wholesomely uncensored in terms of sexual banter. So, and I've also learned how to, I don't say have a sexual alter ego, but I've learned how to be able to be sexual with women without feeling rotten about my healthily animalistic motions, sexually speaking. So those are the positive of mainstream porn. Now, I put wholesomeness to all those things when I learned um, from ethical porn. So they both gave me good things. I would say ethical porn had way more positive mainstream porn. Mainstream porn had more negatives than some people would say to ethical porn. Ethical porn taught me how to value a person's mind sexually, a person's heart sexually, a person's soul sexually, a person's memory sexually, to be mindful of triggers. Um, smells and tastes and touches and sounds and noises and vibrations and energies and frequencies and auras. Um, Ethical porn taught me how to to also understand that 
Economic justice for sex workers is important. Racial justice for sex workers is important. Political justice for sex workers is important. Civil rights justice, equal rights justice, human rights justice. And cultural... (coughs) And cultural justice. They're all important for sex workers. So ethical porn really showed me those things. Um... In terms of mainstream porn, I've learned how to... They hear the things about mainstream porn that I've intellectualized. I've learned from watching it. I don't anymore. Um, Because it's hard for me to find mainstream porn that has ethical porn standards. And quite frankly, I stopped watching uh, mainstream porn uh, Wednesday, February the 1st. At 12 a.m. That was the last time I've seen it. Um, I no longer self-pleasure masturbate to it. Um, but, you know, if I if I do see mainstream porn that has ethical porn standards, that's the only type of mainstream porn I'll be enjoying, as well as performing. And other than that, the answer is hell no to everything else regarding that world. But I learned when watching mainstream porn, I learned that it's important to not pressure self to say the most inhumane sexual verbiage ever. Um, I have learned to, you know, the importance of the horrors, H-O-R-R-O-R-S, of, in you know, sexual invasion of sexual privacy and sexual invasion of sexual confidentiality. I learned that. Um, and I also learned whether you have group sex or whether you have um, two people sex, the importance of keeping your sexual ego in healthy check. Um, because a lot of times in that mainstream porn world, you have guys who don't like be told what to do sexually to a woman by other guys. And it also happens in real life. Not Don't mean to be heteronormative, but mainstream porn, uh, most of it is heteronormative. So... This can be helpful even to LGBTQI plus persons. Like me. So, when I think about how I've seen this. And all these memories I'm sharing with you are helpful to you, I think. And helpful to me, I know for certain. Because this is a way of using my memories to help to help improve people's sex lives. Be careful what to look out for. Whether you do orgies, whether you don't, these are things that everybody should be looking out for. The one, everybody who's sexually active needs to pay attention to this stuff in terms of, I'm not saying go watch it, I mean the mainstream porn. I'm saying when you're dealing with people sexually, you can go, I heard this in this podcast and this person's telling the truth because I saw this, I saw that, I heard this, I heard that. Um... So, when you have group sex with people, you don't have to, 
you know, look all the time at what other people are doing sexually and y'all having group sex. Because a lot of times in mainstream porn, from what I've seen, and I'm being real, keeping it a buck, a lot of times people can get competitive in bossiness. A lot of times people can get competitive in, okay, I'm going to tell you to do this to her sexually, but I'm not doing what I told you to do to her sexually to any other woman. I've seen that, and it's weird. It's like, if you're telling this guy to do this sex act to her or the sex position to her, how come you're not doing that to any of all the women's sex partners that are present and that are available for sex? And I don't mean that in a enslaver, enslavement way. I mean all the sexual partners involved, right? That want to have sex. And what I see in the mainstream porn is... A lot of times, a lot of guys are so into the machinery. They treat themselves like sex machines. And it's not not in the way James Brown, the late James Brown, talked about. I'm talking about it in a bad way. Like, their mindset is so overly obsessed with penetration that they rob themselves of full pleasure and they rob the women of full pleasure too. And the woman is taught to rob herself of full sexual pleasure. So what I had to learn concerning that world was I said, okay, I can have calm sex, whether it's primal, whether it's kinky, whether it's vanilla sex, right? You have to have a level of calmness where you still have to remember everybody's entitled to and deserves full sexual pleasure and full sensual pleasure because in mainstream porn, the type of sex you see on there, you know, full sensual pleasure, everybody gets robbed of. Full sexual pleasure, everybody gets robbed of. Um, Full eroticism pleasure, everybody gets robbed of. Full body orgasms, everybody gets robbed of. Full multiple orgasms, everybody gets robbed of. Um, Sacred sexuality, everybody gets robbed of. Tantra and tantra sex, everybody gets robbed of. It's like no matter what type of sex you have, it could be rough sex, it could be slow sex, romantic sex, it could be, you know, lovemaking, which is a middle ground between sex and fucking. And then you have just sex where, you know, fucking is more of jackrabbiting. Sex is more of not too rigorous, but not bump on the log. While lovemaking is more of the... It's more of the... It takes two to tango. It takes more than two to tango. It's like a, it's a soul dance. It's a internal romance that you're um, outwardly uh, being demonstrative about. That's lovemaking. So full lovemaking, everybody gets robbed. Full fucking, everybody gets robbed. And full sex, everybody gets robbed in terms of all the pleasures. Full sex pleasure, full lovemaking pleasure, full lovemaking pleasure. A fucking pleasure. Everybody gets robbed. And I've seen that in mainstream porn. 
And then when everybody gets robbed, meaning all the sexual partners, everybody gets robbed of all these pleasures. And then when I had to think about, like, when I see mainstream porn, I've learned that everybody gets robbed of full soul sex pleasure, full mindful, mind-blowing sex pleasure. Everybody gets robbed. And then full heart-centered heart sex pleasure, everybody gets robbed. Full person-centered sex, everybody gets robbed in terms of the pleasure. And full... Um, body-centered sex pleasure everybody gets robbed because a lot of times when we're when we are so overly fixated on the orgasms in terms of the ah this penile action feels good of course they say it much differently in mainstream porn go figure but i'm just keeping it that way for now and the problem with that is they also have the it's like the woman's job to do all the straddling all this you know all the writing work I'm just saying how this is how they talk now not degrading anybody this is how they talk and it's like the woman has to do all the work sexually for the most part while all the man does is just he could be bump on a log and kind of penetrate, but he's mostly just, it's her going up and down in terms of the sex on top position. And then when it comes to the back door, it could be anal or vaginal. She has to go back and forth. While he kind of does a little bit, or, or when he thrusts, it's way too hard, it's too painful, and it's too agonizing. So I had to say that that's not the type of sex I want to have or let me make the most grotesque remarks about it could be queefing, it could be sex farts, it could be any sex noise coming from the woman or from the man or the breathing, whatever it is and just about her body about it could be the cameraman joining in it could be the group sex. It's just what I've seen in that world. It's just a lot of grotesque remarks all around. It's one thing to use language. Some people consider it vulgar, but if everybody's in on it, everybody's okay with 100%, everybody's in on it 100%, and no one's self-esteem or body image is plummeting at all, then that's fine, right? But you could tell... I've seen videos where I could tell their self-esteem and their body image plummeted and their sexual self-confidence plummeted. If you're having sex and the person's sexual self-confidence is plummeting on and off camera, it's all bad. And so when I thought about these things, I said to myself, well... A lot of times, um, in that mainstream world, mainstream porn world, there's a lot of heteronormative, uh, toxic hyper-masculinity where they may get mad at each other for telling each other what to do sexually, or they feel like you're questioning my manhood because 
you're basically saying I'm a bad love or insensitive love. You're saying it without saying it. And they get into little back and forth. I've seen this. Um, this is before I knew that there's a such thing called ethical porn. So the only porn I knew was the mainstream one that most people still know. Most people don't know ethical porn. And then what I've seen in the porn world was a lot of times guys, they only respond to what they hear, but they don't sexually critically thinking like, okay, let's say I'm experiencing sexual constructive criticism, which is a virtue in and of itself. A lot of times guys get mad. They may not do anymore what the woman wants to do sexually or they may do it too fast. What she wants to do sexually, they go back to doing what they're doing. Or they may ignore her sexually completely and keep doing what they're doing. Or they may do what she wanted to do sexually. She told them to do much earlier, but they do it towards the money shot scene, you know, when you come on the woman's face. I don't mean to be vulgar, I'm just saying this stuff has to be talked about and changes have to be made. That's what I'm saying, what I'm saying. And then, from what I've seen in that world of a lot of these guys, what they tend to do is they overly repeat themselves to the point where it's annoying. And they don't have any poetic things to say. It's just all vulgar. And that's it. Like, they don't have any poetic compliments to give to the woman her body. All they have is expletives. Or se- sexual slang. That's all they got. They don't have any profundity to their erotic... vocabulary and so I had to learn to avoid all these things to avoid such things and another thing I taught myself to avoid was it's okay to ask for help sexually because a lot of times people have been taught just do as you're told sexually but they don't think well what does that mean for me to do this sex act that this person wants me to do? And you have to think clearly and critically. I know it's hard we have sex because there's so much multitask, like I said, you, that people do. You have to multitask verbal and nonverbal interactions. Remember the likes and dislikes of who you're sleeping with sexually. And you have to remember not to go to the extremes. And you have to remember to not be sexually lazy. And you have to provide sexual work ethic all all simultaneously. And it's not easy. Don't expect yourself to be perfect at it, but you should be wholesome at it, though. Right? Do it correctly, not perfectly. And you don't have to do it... You don't have to be... um, a lover who gets it right all the time in order to be an excellent
lover. You know what I mean? You don't have to do, you don't have to pressure yourself. And a lot of guys pressure themselves and then that's why they're fucking up. And just keeping it real on that. And so getting back to the sex. It's hard to think clearly and critically all the time when it comes to sex. I get it. I've taught myself that skill. Most of the sexual skills I've learned were self-taught and self-brought on. So these are tips that can help. Then I'll get to the organized crime memories later. I'm just getting all this sexual shit out right now. So think about it this way. When you're sleeping with somebody or somebody's, it's okay to ask for help sexually. What does that mean? Whatever you sexually don't understand when a person's asking or if you need full sexual clarification or you need uh, sexual specificities about what you're being asked to do, not asked to do, told to do, not told to do, or Excuse me. Or being told to do, not told to do, or suggested to do, or not suggested to do. Just understand that it's okay to ask for help, even in the midst of an orgasm. Even in the midst of... This feels so good, right? Still ask for help. You want full pleasure for everybody involved. Whether it's two people, sex, group, sex, everybody involved. It's so important. And then when it comes to sex, just remember that a lot of times with guys, they talk a lot of shit with their homies. And then when it comes to the sex... All they have is you know corny sexual pickup lines and they're still acting as if they're picking up the woman but y'all having sex now so you gotta move from the pickup stage to the okay we're both we're, we're both having a sexual experiences that we're agreeing to. <gasps> So you got to transition from the I'm talking shit with my homeboys to okay, but you're sleeping with her now. You have to sexually transition your sexual mind. And a lot of times in mainstream porn, people, a lot of it, not all of it, you know, there are plenty of um, law-abiding, excellent, wonderful mainstream porn companies that do exist. So I'm not generalizing all the companies. I'm just saying a lot of it, um, from what I've seen, a lot of times they're so into the, I can prove my sexual strength, but a lot of these guys are sexually weak because they dishonor women sexually and they dishonor themselves sexually too. And a lot of what I saw in mainstream porn is exactly the same type of sex I saw when I was five years old in organized crime. So organized crime figures used 
a tool to promote what they were doing in the form of unwholesome media and a lot of it being mainstream porn. So it was traumatic reinforcement of their traumatic mistreatments of sex and people, women being the most victimized. And then when I think about the importance of sex for myself, I have learned that it is okay to sexually have a person do what you sexually need or want them to do, but I don't have to um, violate sexual bodily integrity and sexual bodily autonomy just to do it. Because a lot of times, guys have been taught to treat women as sexual chattel property and to sexually dehumanize them, them meaning women, and themselves. A lot of guys treat themselves as sexual chattel property, and therefore they sexually dehumanize themselves as well. So what I figured out to do is to be a highly hospitable lover, and it's so important to me. I talk about it so much because it's so important to me. Because... I've learned to intellectualize erotica of all times. Like, don't just get pleasured by it. Because if they say it's just for the pleasure, but don't be sexually mindless. Don't be sexually brainless. Don't be sexually heartless. Don't be sexually compassionless. Um, Don't be, don't lack sexual empathy. And those are things that people really don't take seriously sadly so what I've decided to do is to remember that I've learned to have medium sex where medium sex of the mind like my mind is calm even though the pleasure and everything about sex skyrocketing I still have that unique special calmness that I am sexually alert, I'm sexually sober, I'm sexually awake, I'm sexually attentive, I'm sexually considerate, and I'm sexually thoughtful. And, um, in fact, I want to just read just a little bit, then I'm going to go back to talking off the top of my head. So, the type of lover I have decided to be, because it is a decision, I decided to be a wholesomely sexually attentive lover, a wholesomely sexually alert lover, a wholesome sexually awake lover, a wholesome sexually watchful lover, a wholesome sexually wide awake lover, a wholesome sexually observant lover, a wholesome sexually perceptive lover, a wholesome sexually percipient lover. A wholesome, sexually acute lover. A wholesome, sexually aware lover. A wholesome, sexually noticing lover. A wholesome, sexually heeding lover. A wholesome, sexually heedful lover. A wholesome, sexually mindful lover. A wholesome, a wholesome, sexually vigilant lover. A wholesome, sexually on guard lover. A wholesome, sexually on our guard lover. A wholesome, sexually on our toes lover. A wholesome, sexually on the 
Quivive, Q-Vive lover, a wholesome section on the lookout lover, a wholesome sexually concentrating lover, a wholesome sexually intense lover, a wholesome sexually absorbed lover, a wholesome sexually engrossed lover, a wholesome sexually focused lover, a wholesome sexually committed lover. Well, that, that does not mean exclusive relationship. It just means you're committed to the inner life and outer life um, prosperity of the lovers and or lover. I've learned to be a sec- a wholesome sexually studious lover, a wholesome sexually diligent lover, a wholesome sexually scrupulous lover, a wholesome sexually rigorous lover, a wholesome sexually earnest lover, a wholesome sexually interested lover, a wholesome sexually all ears lover, a wholesome sexually beady-eyed lover, a wholesome sexually not missing a trick lover. Not missing a trick means never fail to take advantage of a situation wholesomely, not trickery, okay? I've learned to be a wholesome sexually on the ball lover, a wholesome sexually regardful lover. I've learned to be a wholesome, sexually conscientious lover. I've learned to be a wholesome, sexually considerate lover. I've learned to be a wholesome, sexually thoughtful lover, a wholesome, sexually kind lover, a wholesome, sexually kindly being lover, a wholesome, sexually caring lover, a wholesome, sexually tender lover, a wholesome, sexually solicitous lover, a wholesome, sexually understanding lover, a wholesome, sexually sympathetic lover, a wholesome, sexually empathic lover, a wholesome, sexually empathetic lover. I learned to be a wholesome, sexually intuitive lover, wholesome, sexually instinctual, instinctive lover, um, a wholesome, sexually obliging lover, wholesome, sexually accommodating lover, wholesome, sexually reasonably accommodating lover, wholesome, sexually gallant lover, a wholesome, sexually chivalrous lover when it comes to my love, life, sex, life with the ladies, a wholesome, sexually polite lover. A wholesome, sexually well-mannered lover. A wholesome, sexually courteous lover. A wholesome, sexually gracious lover. A wholesome, sexually humble lover. A wholesome, sexually civil lover. A wholesome, sexually respectful lover. A wholesome, sexually reverential lover. A wholesome, sexually dutiful lover. A wholesome, sexually responsible lover. A wholesome, sexually accountable lover. A wholesome, sexually decent lover. A wholesome, sexually mannerly lover. A wholesome, sexually regardful lover. I've learned to never be sexually inconsiderate, and I've learned to never be sexually inattentive. I am wholesomely sexually paying close attention to myself and my lovers, and I'm wholesomely, assiduously, sexually speaking, attending to the comfort or wishes of others, my lovers, and not just myself, because... I'm very polite or and courteous, even kind of sex. I've learned to do these things. Um, I've learned, to, you know, to be sexually sane, to be sexually wise, um, and to be free of all sexual bullshit. Um, these are all what matters to me. Um, let me read a little more. I'm just feeling like 
I love, love dictionaries. Um, and all of this does not mean religion. I repeat, none of this means religion. I've learned to enjoy the process of removing sexual impurities or unwanted sexual elements from the sexual substance of me. And impurities in this case means everything that organized crime taught me about sex and sexuality, right? Because the sex, sexuality, organized crime, it was bombastic and of barbarity. So again, we're not talking about religion, we're talking about how a world of criminality can cause people to be trapped in sexual solitary confinement, so to speak. So what I've learned to do is to enjoy the daily sexual purification, purifying myself from organized crime, sex, and sexuality. I have joined the daily sexual refining from organized crime, sex, and sexuality. I've learned to enjoy the clarifying sexually. So, when I talk about What I was removed from, in this case, I'm talking about organized crime. So basically, I experienced daily sexual purification from organized crime. I experienced daily sexual refining from organized crime. I experienced daily sexual clarifying from organized crime. I experienced daily sexual clarification from organized crime. I experienced daily sexual cleansing from organized crime. Daily, ex- I experienced daily sexual straining from organized crime. I experienced daily sexual sifting from organized crime. I experienced daily sexual filtering from organized crime. I experienced daily... Uh, sexual filtration from organized crime. I experienced daily rarefaction. Actually, I experienced daily sexual rarefaction from organized crime. I experienced daily sexual distillation from organized crime. I experienced daily sexual concentration from organized crime. I experienced daily sexual processing from organized crime. I experienced daily sexual treatment from organized crime. I experienced daily sexual treatment from organized crime and daily, um, I experienced daily sexual rectification from organized crime. When I say organized crime, I'm talking about it's tormenting, torturous sex and sexuality part. But yes, none of these things mean religion. I'm talking about the inhumanity and the cruelty that organized crime um, flung at me, including its sexual inhumanity and sexual cruelty. And none of this is pious in nature. Um, 
so when it comes to organized crime, I do experience daily purification, daily refining, daily clarifying, daily, daily clarification, daily cleansing, daily straining, daily sifting, daily filtering, daily filtration, daily rarefaction, daily, daily distillation, daily concentration, daily processing, daily treatment, daily treating, and daily rectification. So when it comes to my sex life, There is daily improvement, daily perfection, daily polishing, daily owning, daily fine-tuning, daily touching up, daily revisions, daily editing, daily copy editing, daily completion, daily finishing, daily finishing off, daily the final slash finishing touches, daily crowning, daily tweaking, and daily consummation without it being religious in nature. Um, and of course, when it comes to my healing from organized crime, I do experience daily improvement, daily perfection, daily polishing, daily owning, daily fine tuning, daily touching up, daily revision, daily editing, daily copy editing, daily completion, daily finishing, daily finishing off, daily the final slash finishing touches, daily crowning, daily consummation, daily tweaking. Um... I appreciate, you know, I appreciate my sexual styles, my sexual elegance, my sexual finesse, my sexual polish, my sexual finishes, my set by um, my sexual finish, my sexual sophistication, my sexual urbanity, my sexual civility, my sexual politeness, my sexual grace, my sexual graciousness, um, my sexual courtliness. My sexual good manners, my sexual good breeding, my sexual gentility, without it being of arrogance, uh, my sexual cultivation, my sexual culture, my sexual taste, my sexual politeness, my sexual coup, and my sexual discrimination, which means the ability to discern what is of high quality, good judgment, or taste. And of course, I enjoy my style, elegance, finesse, polish, finish, sophistication, urbanity, civility, politeness, grace, graciousness, courtliness, good manners, good breeding, cultivation, culture, taste, politeness, cooth, discrimination, again, which means ability to discern what is of high quality, good judgment or taste, and the gentility, in my gentility without the arrogance. Um... That's what I experience on a daily basis. And um, that's what makes me such a sensitive lover. Um, A highly sensitive lover, a highly hospitable lover, a highly sensitive, hospitable person lover to merging together. And... um, Let me touch on religion, then I'll get to the organized crime part, okay? One of the reasons why I left religion is because religion teaches people that when it comes to abuse survivors, they should feel annoyance, vexation towards abuse survivors. 
Religion teaches people that when it comes to abuse survivors, there should be exasperation towards abuse survivors, crossness against abuse survivors, irritation against abuse survivors, irritability against abuse survivors, indignation against abuse survivors, peak, P-I-Q-U-E, against abuse survivors, displeasure against abuse survivors, resentment against abuse survivors, rage against abuse survivors, fury against abuse survivors, wrath against abuse survivors, outrage against abuse survivors, temper against abuse against abuse survivors, road rage against abuse survivors, air rage against abuse survivors, irascibility against abuse survivors, ill temper against abuse survivors, dyspepsia against abuse survivors, spleen against abuse survivors, ill humor against abuse survivors, tetchiness against abuse survivors, testiness against abuse survivors, waspishness against abuse survivors, aggravation against abuse survivors, ire against abuse survivors, choler against abuse survivors, bile against abuse survivors, and again, to feel annoyance against abuse survivors, feel vexation against abuse survivors. And religion teaches people to be sad about it, to be sad against abuse survivors, saddened by abuse survivors, um, to be unhappy with abuse survivors, to be gloomy against abuse survivors, to be glum against abuse survivors, to be melancholy against abuse survivors, to be miserable about the abuse survivors, to be sorrowful against the abuse survivors, to be dejected against the abuse survivors. So basically, religion teaches people to be pissed off and down in the dumps against abuse survivors because religion makes abuse survivors public enemy number one. Um, and now I want to talk about the organized the organized crime part of my life so from what I remember being in that world did I see pimps and madams beat up sex workers called prostitutes back then, yeah. Did I see um, these pimps and these madams being women and men? Yeah, some of the pimps were women, some of the... There were more women pimps than men pimps. So I saw more women pimps beat up male sex workers called male prostitutes then I saw men pimps beat up um, women uh, prostitutes. Now we call them women sex workers. Um, back then, did I see more women madams beat up um, more...
man horse and male madams beat up women horse. Back then I did. That's what they were called back then. Women horse, man horse. I'm telling the language I that's some of the language I heard in the brothels. But the brothel owners called it whorehouses. That's what it was called back then. I'm just telling the language I learned back then. Um, did I see sex workers back then, prostitutes, male and female, get pistol whipped? Yeah, sometimes by the madams and pimps, and sometimes uh, by customers. Did I see customers get physically violent towards the you know, the male and female process now called sex workers, I did. Did I see male and female process get violence against customers? I did. Did I see customers and madams and pimps fighting and the madams and pimps winning? Sometimes I saw that. Sometimes I saw customers winning against the pimps and the madams in terms of fights. So that's what I saw growing up. I saw customers and madams and pimps actually pistol whipping each other. And I saw prostitutes, pimps, and madams pistol whipping each other. I saw customers and prostitutes pistol whipping each other. I saw some of these things. And sometimes I was able to intervene with my gun and everything stopped. Especially when women were hurt the most. And a lot of times it happened so fast I couldn't do anything. And I had to learn not to feel guilty about that. I did for many years, though. Um... I saw a lot of embezzlement in that world, too. Um, there were Sin City brothels, Sin City crack houses, Sin City drug dens, Sin City drug houses, Sin City trap houses, Sin City after hours spots, Sin City after hours clubs, uh, Sin City nightlife, and Sin City sex industry. I went to all these places because I was the go-to drug dealer for all these places. As well as the go-to numbers runner for all these places, too. Those were the biggest things I did in organized crime. Uh, Drug dealing and numbers running. So, they wanted me. Those environments to it. And I remember the... um, The money that I would make... Never went to my mother's apartment, never set foot in my mother's apartment. In fact, you know, crime bosses would hold the money for me because that's so much money that they would all hold it in a neutral location in their secret safe, you know, with a vault, and it was their treasure chest box, so to speak. And that's what happened. Um, I want to finish talking about the affairs I had. I remember meeting the husbands. I remember meeting the husbands, but it was just small talk. We never had a conversation. We only met once, and we never interacted again. Um, I remember um, the... I remember once they recognized that their marriage was irretrievably broken... Um, I do remember that they, when we fir- when I first met the husbands, 
their marriage was already dead. So there was the inevitable got to file for divorce. So the women filed for the divorce. And um, between my three years, some got, there was a lot of uh, divorces being granted. So the women um, would have me as their boyfriend. They all, quote unquote, shared me. So they all got divorces. And I remember they kicked their husbands out once they once the divorce was filed that same day, he was kicked out of the house. So they, you know, that was the first time I came in the house and they were there and it was small talk. Only met all the husbands once because women were like, I'm not comfortable with him being in the same environment with you. I'm not comfortable with him. Y'all talking together and I'm going to keep y'all apart. And that's what happened. So the husbands, from what I remember, left once the wife's, once their, you know, seemed to be ex-wife said, get out. So he got all his stuff quickly and left, walked out the house because in their mind, they're like, now that I've, you know, now that I filed for a divorce, the sooner he leaves, the sooner I get to, um, have sex with Antonio. So we were already we already met and had a sexual relationship. Um shortly before they filed for divorce. It's like it started a few days before they filed for divorce. So I we were sleeping together um during their legal separation. And After they kicked the husband out the house, they 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 grabbed they um, gently held my hand, and they said, "I'm walking you to our bedroom." And that's when we, you know, as soon as the doors were closed, we had ex- we had explosive spicy sex the rest of that day and night. Um. And the others, they got legal separations too. It took them a while to get it because um, it took them a while to get it because in actuality, they came from families where divorce was considered a sin under any circumstance. Um, and from what I remember, it took women outside the family to say, I know you grew up in a religious family, but this divorce thing, you got to do it. It's never gonna work out. So it took the women to be like, okay, you're right. So when it came to the legal separations, I, the women and I, we had sex with each other much more often because they're like, well, you know, we all filed for divorce, so 
Antonio really gets to be all ours officially, officially. Um, and at first they said we're all going to be traditional women when it came to me. And uh, I was not comfortable. I didn't like, men, you know, women submitting to men when it came to anything. I just always felt like there should be mutual submission. There shouldn't be a primary leader. There shouldn't be one leader. And I said, I don't want y'all to do that. I want, you know, I just, we both take care of everything. And they were more like, but you're somebody I really want to be traditional with. And they would cook for me, clean for me, did my laundry, uh, they knew I was a college student, so they, every time we went out, they would pay from their own money, um, I do remember, uh, the fact that when it came to Spending time with them. It was hard to have sex with kids in the house. Most of the time, they were with their aunts or relatives. Because they were like the aunts or relatives. They are like, oh, let's spend time with our relatives. Did they know we were intimate? Yeah. But we tried our best to shield them from it. There were a few slip-ups we made hearing and seeing, we try best to cover up and act, but then we would, we would try best to cover up and we did and um, we tried our best to not have them hear us but because we were that attracted to each other, it was hard to keep quiet about each other even sexually in that moment. Most of them had sex, they weren't in the house because that was the way of saying you know um, you're, you're making me hornier, so I need to, so, um, I'm going to sleep with you much more often, and that's what we agreed to. So the more we kept spending time with each other, the more sex we had, and, um, and the more we would have our date nights, Friday nights, and the more that, um, we would just drive around the city in their car, and um, you know, the more we just um, went to more of their family, friend, and coworker functions. When I remember, that was such a pivotal time in my life. Um, in terms of. Being wounded as a person and as a being and wounded as a sexual person, sexual being too. So now you understand even more about I why I value sexual square dealing living and just square dealing living in general. And even understanding more of the reasons why I hate sexual double living, sexual double dipping, and sexual double dealing. 
and why I keep double living, double dealing, and double dipping out of my life in general. Um, when it came to these women, their relationships and marriages, like partnerships, are already failing. So they slept with me about a few weeks before they filed for divorce, and some before they filed legal separation, and some before they officially broke up with their boyfriends, because some were in committed relationships that weren't of marriage, um, and that's what happened. So I'm sharing all these memories so people can really understand that I transitioned from those things to where I am now. I no longer have the unwholesome media in my life in terms of unwholesome media choices. They're gone now. So I've replaced all the unwholesome media I've told you about in my episode that is about my natural thought patterns. I replace all those harmful media with I primarily read the dictionary and the Bible, not to make myself religious and not to be a pseudo-intellectual, but it makes me deeply think even more and more and more about um, the direction of my life and the direction of other people's lives. Um, would I have learned all these things even without religion or, you know, dictionary? Just I think I would have. Um, but the dictionary and the Bible are the most profound books that have um, made me think and rethink, learn and unlearn, think and learn. And there's no religiosity nor religiousness to any of this. There's no pretending to be smart or f- being a phony about academics, scholarship, or science. It's really me taking my time to understand. I just had to tell you all these things. I'm just, I had to take a breather, so I just want to say in closing that y'all allowing me to discuss these things with you all is quite meaningful for me and I hope it was quite meaningful for you.